and welcome to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast, where every week we explore different stories around water that include safe water projects, trends in the water space, and blue mind. We hope you enjoy listening, and now here's your host, Kevin Sofen. Responsible world, what's going on? Really epic podcast today with the Ecology Outreach Manager from the Friends of the Chicago River, Mark Hauser. Mark is going to tell us about the litter-free campaign that we can all get involved with from the average person here in Chicago, to what Friends of the Chicago River is doing around rivershed restoration improvement projects. This goes to help bats, ospreys, turtles help improve and regain their natural habitats. We're going to dive into what people can do to volunteer their time and how we're engaging students to get involved with the beach cleanups or water quality samples test. Friends is an amazing charity that's doing awesome work here in Chicago. We're really excited to learn about these watershed improvement programs, and we hope you enjoy listening and learning from Mark. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the fortune of sitting down with Mark Hauser, the Ecology Outreach Manager for Friends of Chicago River. Mark, how are you doing today? Welcome to the podcast. I am doing well. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. If you could give us a little bit of background on yourself, on how you became the Ecology Outreach Manager, and a little insight on who and what the Friends of Chicago River is. Sure. Uh, Well, let me start with Friends, the organization. Friends of the Chicago River is a uh, nonprofit advocacy group for the health and well-being of the Chicago River throughout its watershed, throughout its course. We are happy to be celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. We were founded in 1979, and boy, it's been a long, winding journey through many years doing lots of different things. Friends of the Chicago River basically tries to restore habitat, the health of the water quality, the riparian zone, the blue-green zone around the river. We try to get people engaged with the river, enjoying the river, out on the river as much as possible. I mean, there's so much that we do, but my background is over 25 years as a non-formal educator, and I've had lots of jobs within the education sector, teaching kids and adults about the environment, interpreting what goes on in our world for the average person, so to speak. And I came to Friends um, from a nature center background. I had been teaching like say K to fifth grade for many, many years and had a desire to get involved more with high school and adult groups and teaching science. And the opportunity came to work for friends and teach about rivers through just about any aspect that you could think of, biology, chemistry, history, art, language arts, fine arts. I dabble in a little bit of everything, so to speak. And so uh, my job here with friends is actually to help teachers integrate the river into their curriculum in the classroom, get kids out on the river, again, face-to-face with the river, touching the river in the river, so getting kids in hip waders all the time, catching bugs and doing macroinvertebrate studies. Macroinvertebrates are animals that generally don't have a backbone. They stay in one place in the river, and they're good indicators of water quality. And we're doing chemistry testing and stream flow monitoring and just everything that gets kids engaged with the river. And so that's where I'm coming from. Love it. And yeah, I think getting the kids involved is a really tangible and practical way to actually make the learning experience more valuable. And as you mentioned with the education part, 
being able to bring it full circle to where this is not only something that you can learn in the classroom, but hey, let's go in the field and really do this science project that we're learning about in these biology and chemistry textbooks and, and really make it a practical learning experience for, for everyone with tying it back to the ultimate friend's goal to get people to enjoy and engage with the Chicago Rivershed. Yeah, in the formal education setting, it's called service learning, where you learn your research and then you actually go out and engage with the actual subject matter, which is in this case is the river. With adults, it is more of a just breaking down barriers, getting people more in tune with the river so that they at least know that it's there and at the most actually engage in action to, to help it getting out and picking up trash and actually engaging in recreation on the water and canoeing and and helping to improve habitat and removing non-native species. It's just a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. And to kind of dive on that now, what can individual people do? And I know Friends has such a big push for the the litter-free campaign. Tell me a little bit more about that and, and how can we engage regular people in Chicago that maybe weren't aware of it and could become more aware of it and be more active, uh, responsible citizens? Sure. Friends over the years has done a lot of things that attempt to improve water quality, either chemically or physically. And lately, over the last uh, couple of years, we've uh, launched this litter-free campaign with the help of the Wrigley Company Foundation Primarily targeted, started with the North Shore Channel. It's expanded a little bit. Uh, North Shore Channel is the segment of the river that was dug in 1910 between the confluence of Foster Avenue and up to the High Temple at the lake. Wanders through uh, the upper side of Chicago, Lincoln Woods, Skokie, Evanston. And we're trying to get those particular local communities engaged in one aspect of water quality, which is just picking up physical trash. And so we're getting out, we're, we're trying to get people out on the river and actually pick up uh, trash that is windblown, you know, caught up on fences and tree lines, or down in the river actually catching on, on water in tree branches and some of these hot spots where we find trash all the time. And no matter how much you pick it up, a couple of weeks later, it's full again. And so we're really trying to get people out there and taking care of their own local community and the river that flows through their local community to make the river uh, healthier. Love that. And yeah, it's it's as simple as just picking up trash and it's Mm -hmm. something where we can all, everyone can do their part. And obviously we're all living our busy lives, but the other day I was running on Lakeshore Drive and I saw a trash can a couple hundred yards ahead of me and I saw some trash in front of me. So I picked it up and threw it away. And granted, it wasn't a huge act, but it's one of those things where if we can all do those little baby steps, those are the things that really help improve the natural ecology within the watersheds that we live in. Yeah, it's something you hear all the time, that if everybody pitched in and did it, it wouldn't be like it is, but that that's a truism. I mean, if, if really people did take care of their own little portion of the trash and responsibly either recycle it, reuse it, or dispose of it properly, we really wouldn't have much of a problem. Mm-hmm. It, it's the stuff that people put on the ground that they think isn't going to impact, and then it all flows together or blows together into one place, and it's it's ugly. Yep. And it really impacts the uh, the aesthetic component of the environment and also water quality. Because a lot of these items, uh, they're they're leaking. Say if it's batteries, they're leaking acid. There are other non you know hazardous household waste components in trash that really can affect water quality. Yeah, 
I believe. And then that water quality trickles into the health of all the animals living in it, and whether that's the insects or animals. And, and I know you have some experience in doing some projects around some of the, the more specific rivershed restoration and how that impacts different animals throughout the river, whether that's the bats or the ospreys and the turtles. So could you tell me a little bit more about what are some of the specific initiatives that Friends is doing around rivershed restoration, in particular some of those animals, and why is that so important? Well, some of our initiatives right now are to improve habitat for some of the charismatic larger animals that you see out there, the bats, the osprey, turtles, and uh, even going back a little bit more in history, fish. And these are all animals that are essential to the that blue-green corridor, the riparian zone around the river. And the reason we're working on them is they, a lot of these animals we identified as being on the verge of maybe disappearing. They're not gone yet. They're here. But they really just need a little bit of a boost to be able to increase their numbers and be more part of the environment there. And another reason we picked them, too, because some of these animals that are a little further up the food chain, if they have everything they need to survive, that means everything else is in place, the plants, some of the insects, things that, that they rely on for their quality of life. And so that's one of the reasons we're working on them. We've installed five osprey poles, six bat houses. We've cleared over 100 acres of turtle habitat along the river for nesting. And we've installed just hundreds and hundreds of catfish habitats in the North Shore Channel as well. And so if these animals can return, that means they're getting all they need and that habitat is healthier. Makes sense. And yeah, it's so true that if you just give nature that little bit of boost, it doesn't need a lot. Nature is extremely resilient in its ability to bounce back. So I love the fact that Franz is taking this really proactive approach of creating the environment to allow these different animals throughout the food chain to return. And and I think what you hit on is, is so true where it's, I mean, maybe those higher up animals are maybe, quote, unquote, just maybe a little sexier in terms of what people talk about, but right. really... We call them charismatic macrofauna. <laughs> that probably sounds a little bit more appropriate than how I described it. But I think it's what you're hitting on is that the whole food chain and the entire ecosystem is important to be able to have a fully functioning ecosystem. So that starts with clean water, which then filters into the bugs, which then filters up to the everything up that food chain, which ties into everything, just all the work that Friends is doing. And I think that, that again, brings it all full circle back to the whole notion of clean water. And, right. and so how what is Friends doing and how does the whole foundation of clean water tie into some of the projects and what are you guys doing for clean water and, and what can Joe Schmo know about what they can do for clean water in the Chicago River? Well, as with all of our projects, we really try to thoroughly engage citizens, the local community. And so with the wildlife and even getting back to the trash, there are several opportunities that I would like to share with everyone. And in terms of the wildlife and the restoration, if you wish to help out with the bats and the osprey and the turtles, we have wildlife volunteer monitors that go out regularly during the breeding period, which is generally May through August for each of these animals during the summer, and just simply visit the site and tell us what they see. There are eyes and ears on the ground to see if some of these projects are successful. And if people wish to become a wildlife volunteer monitor, we're doing trainings in March and April of this year. 
and people can contact friends on our website. Uh, the information is there, or just call me, and we can set them up as being part of that training so that they can get out with their family, with their friends, and actually help us out. In terms of getting rid of buckthorn and improving the plant communities, we have partnered with the Forest Preserves and Friends of the Forest Preserves and the Field Museum on a project called Centennial Volunteers. It's celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Forest Preserves back in 1914. And so for over four or five years, we've been partnering and allowing people to come together and volunteer at certain forest preserves to focus the removal of a non-native species called buckthorn. European buckthorn is a very invasive plant, grows in thick hedges and damages habitat. So we're really trying to get rid of it and do other things, spreading native seeds and improving habitat that way. And people can volunteer. There are work days almost every weekend throughout the forest preserves at these sites, and people can contact us again to, to find out where they can volunteer or just Google Centennial Volunteers. It'll come right up. That's great. And then getting back to the trash, not to be too long on this, but we're actually doing a public presentation on the North Shore Channel at the Evanston Ecology Center later in January on the 29th, I believe it is, in the evening if people want to come out and learn more about the issue about trash and why it's a problem and how they can help organize cleanups of their own. That's fantastic. And so you mentioned the buckthorn as an invasive plant. I know the the Alliance of the Great Lakes does a lot with some of the invasive species monitoring, and I'm not sure if it's something that you specifically do a lot, but what what are some of the other uh, quick invasive species that are problems or risks to the Chicago River, and what can people do to just be aware of this and do their part to make sure they don't make any problem worse? Sure. With invasive plants, there isn't an environmental organization in the Chicagoland area that I know of that doesn't try to combat non-native species. The Alliance is great, the Friends of the Forest Preserves, the Forest Preserves themselves, Friends of the Chicago River, Friends of the Parks, Friends of the... (laughs) Every organization does this kind of stuff. And the issue with non-native species, of course, they are not—they don't play well with others. They're—they're they're not in balance with the environment. They tend to grow out of their place in the environment. They grow monocultures. They will actually physically attack other plants chemically uh, through shading them out. And a lot of people aren't aware of of all these battles that are going on between plants out in the environment. And there's a whole what we call murderer's row of of non-native species. European buckthorn is one. Amur honeysuckle, Japanese honeysuckle or others, garlic mustard, lesser saladine, all these plants just, if you find them, they will grow everywhere and grow out of their proportion, basically. And so there are are hundreds and thousands of people trying to get rid of them all the time. Yikes. Yeah, I don't think many people know the notion. I mean, there's invasive animals, but... Most people see green forest Mm -hmm. and they think it's, it's good, it's growing, it's native. And quite often, forest preserves tend to be anywhere from 20 to 50% non-native. Wow. Yeah, and then, and as you said, there's all these plant battles where that's degrading a lot of the natural habitat, which has a lot of those cascading effects on mm-hmm. the different aspects throughout the bottom of the pyramid on the ecosystem, which can indirectly set off a domino effect to throw everything off, which is yeah, not good. People are interested, you know, Chicago Botanic Garden, even the city of Chicago has a, a website on plants that are non-native that are totally restricted. You cannot buy them, you cannot plant them anywhere in the city. And if people can identify them, if they could just learn, you know, the most common half a dozen, if they see them on their property, get rid of them, that would help a lot. Mm -hmm. 
Fantastic. And the last thing you'd mentioned a little bit, but from just back to the water quality, what type of analysis and testing do the Friends of Chicago River do to, to kind of measure progress and hold different level aspects of accountability to understand where we're at with water quality? Well, as the education coordinator, I assist several dozen schools every year go out and probably take almost 100 field trips, most of which involve some kind of monitoring of the Chicago River. And that can be biological monitoring through, as I said before, looking at macroinvertebrate assemblages, the bugs in the river. And if anything is really out of whack, then we can report it. We also do chemical testing. We have a group of uh, 15 schools in the Chicago area that do testing regularly at adopted sites and report to us. And they're doing not drinking water analysis, but water chemistry for the natural environment. So they're looking at dissolved oxygen, fecal coliform levels, nutrient levels for phosphate, nitrate, just temperature, turbidity and total dissolved solids for you know sediment in the water. And if anything is really, really strange, then they report to us, we get the data, and we can tell the, uh, the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District, we can tell the city, and hopefully take care of it. Gotcha. Well, Mark, truly a wealth of knowledge. I appreciate everything you've shared today. If people want to learn more about French Chicago River and how they can get involved or maybe even get in touch with you in some capacity, what is the best way for our listeners to do that? The best way is, the best portal is our website, which is www.chicagoriver.org. And that's all one word. So Chicago River, no hyphen, no underscore. And that has contact information for all of our staff. And people just can link to our Facebook. They can see our Twitter feed. They can find out more about our Bridge House Museum and visit the Bridge House Museum along the Michigan Avenue Bridge downtown. That has information about the entire organization. So any of these portals, if people can get into it, they can contact any of our staff, ask their question, and we will make sure that it gets answered appropriately. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Mark, for your time today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Wow, well, that was a really awesome podcast, and I sure learned a lot. And some of my biggest takeaways, I love the term service learning. And I remember when I was a student in the classroom, I mean, we read books or we see PowerPoints and we you know, do various activities, and they were great, but there's nothing like true hands-on learning experiences. And granted, everyone has their own way of learning, but when you're actually in the field and you can learn about, hey, how does this impact of clean water then have the impact on the bugs that it eats and then how does that go up the food chain that's such a tangible realistic practical means of how science meets environment to how people can then get involved and how we can inspire some of the youth and that sort of parlays into my next point where it's amazing where sometimes nature is struggling based on what humans are doing but it doesn't take that much to give nature the opportunity to succeed. So from doing different things on reducing our runoff from car oil or some of the nutrient runoff, I mean, if we can just do these little things to allow the nature and the environment to regain just back to where it was, nature's extremely resilient. will bounce back. I thought it was really interesting, the discussion around plant battles. I mean, I know Chicago River is a big threat right now with the Asian carp and I think the actual animals are a little bit more tangible or not not something more tangible but 
people are more aware of the animals that are invasive, but plants are just as invasive and problematic. And thinking about these plant battles, uh, battles and this murder row of these buckthorn and these Japanese plants, and granted, we all really need to be careful about ever taking one plant or an animal from one place to another because, as he was saying, invasive species dominate other native species, and we you don't want to be responsible for that. That can lead off to an uh, ecological catastrophe. Sure as heck do not want that. If you guys have any other questions, let me know. I thought it was awesome. I'm really excited for Responsible to collaborate further with friends in the Chicago River. There's a lot of educational outreach programs coming up. So if you want to learn more, definitely reach out to March via the website, chicagoriver.org. And I hope to hear from you guys soon. Keep it real.